0: My name is Claire, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm glad to have you all joining me this week. Make sure to check out my social media, which is at Tales of Panem on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for updates, episode information, and more. This week's episode will cover chapters 15 through 18 of The Hunger Games, and as usual, I'm going to start off with a brief recap of the chapters. So we pick up in the aftermath of the Tracker Jacker attack, where Katniss has been completely blacked out for over a day, She notices Rue kind of hanging around her and invites her to be her ally. Rue helps Katniss tend to her stings and tells her about what life in District 11 is like. She also informs her that Peta is no longer traveling with the careers. Katniss and Rue devise a plan to get rid of the careers' stash of supplies. Rue will light fires in the woods to draw them away from the cornucopia, and Katniss will attack their camp while they're gone. They also decide to use mocking jays to communicate. Katniss blows up all of the career supplies using her bow and the landmines that the careers have reburied. However, she realizes that something has gone wrong when she goes to find Rue and discovers that the last fire was never lit. She uses the Mockingjays to locate Rue and find her just as she is stabbed by Marvel, the male tribute from District 1. Katniss immediately kills Marvel, but Rue is injured too badly to survive, and Katniss sings to her as she dies. She decorates Rue's body with flowers, and she receives a loaf of bread from District 11. At the end of chapter 18, the game makers announced that they will allow for two victors if they both come from the same district, and Katniss immediately calls out for Peeta. So we have a lot packed in here, obviously the big thing being Rue's death, which I'm definitely going to be talking about. Um, but first I want to talk about some of the things that we learn about district 11 from Rue and what life is like there and how it compares to the other districts. And also, the way that the capital has suppressed communication between the districts is a really key aspect of the series, and it's something that I'll talk about again when we get to Mockingjay. Because, without saying too much, there is a character in Catching Fire who I do believe that if they had not survived to help the rebellion, I think things would have ended very differently and a lot worse. Um, and that has to do with communication between the districts because one of the things that makes it so hard to organize a rebellion in penem is that you can't communicate with people outside of your own district so it's not like if there is rebel activity going on in multiple different districts they have no real way of linking up it's very difficult to do and it's why one of the biggest struggles of the rebellion is like how are we going to unite people when we can't even communicate with them and so I also think that it's very effective by the capital as a means of control. And it also helps like keep this kind of discrepancy between like districts like one and two that are a lot wealthier and are treated a lot better than districts like 10, 11, 12, et cetera. And it's not necessarily that like the people from the lower number districts don't know that the people from the higher number districts are poorer or are worse off than them. Like, they know just enough to make them feel superior, but not enough to raise concerns. Like, they don't know what the consequences are for the workers in District 11. Like, we learn in this chapter, like, how how the workers of District 11 are treated when they're not doing what they're supposed to. And, like, Rue specifically talks about, like, 11 is the agricultural district but they don't get to actually keep any of the things that they farm. And if they get caught doing that, they get whipped and like stuff like that of like the treatment of individual people by the Capitol is kept very like, like even Katniss doesn't know about this and she's from district 12. And so, and there's definitely similar things that are happening in district 12, but like she would never have known that if it wasn't for Rue telling her. And I'm gonna make a educated guess here that those kind of comments made in the arena are not going to be aired. And by educated guess, I mean, I am certain of it. <laughs> um, and so I just, I like that they include this moment between the two of them of like, what is our life actually like? Um, because again, it's something that like you wouldn't know unless you're from that district. And it also just like gives us a better view of like how the capital treats their citizens. But even like within the individual districts, like Katniss mentions early on that like, Obviously, a lot of people in District 12 starve to death, but they're always told that they died from, like, the flu or something else like that. And, like, everyone knows it's not true. Like, everyone knows those people are starving, but, like, they don't want anyone to know that because they want to make things seem better than they are because it prevents rebellion. And so, like, obviously the people in District 12 know that not everything is great and they're not like, oh, the capital's so great. Like, they take such good care of us. Whereas the people in districts like one and two and four majority do think that because these are the career districts and they always win the Hunger Games and they get gifts from the Capitol every time that happens. And like, they're just wealthier and they provide what are considered more like luxury goods. Um, But they would have no idea what the actual like working conditions are for someone in a district like District 11. And so having Rue tell these stories of home is like, yeah, it's nice for world building. It's nice to learn these things. It's nice like moments for Katniss where she's learning how things work outside of her district and more and more examples of like how bad the Capitol truly is. But it also is interesting from a perspective of like no one would ever have any way of knowing that and no one is going to get to know it because the Capitol is intentionally hiding that information and preventing communication between the districts to prevent exactly the kind of things that start happening. Because even if there was an uprising in one of the district's, Someone in another district would never know about that. And so it makes these groups of rebels or like individuals who would maybe be a part of a rebellion, if it were to exist, feel, feel small and isolated and alone. And like, they have no chance because it's just them. And they wouldn't know that maybe there's someone in another district trying to do the exact same thing. And again, it's like a very effective means of control. And it's a very real thing to cut people off from one another and not allow them to communicate or organize is like the number one tactic that a governing body like the Capitol and like President Snow would use on its districts and on its citizens to keep them in line and to make them think that things are better than they are. Because the people in District 2 are not going to know that people in District 12 are like starving to death on the street every single day. And maybe if they knew, they wouldn't care because it's not them. And that's just like a larger question of like what the people in districts one and two are actually like. But it's also what they don't know they can't do anything about. And there's no way for them to find out because the only like real coverage they get of districts like 11 and 12 is the reaping. And on reaping day, they intentionally make those districts seem more presentable or seem like things aren't as bad as they actually are. And it's all part of this like elaborate cover-up, but they still give them enough to know that like, oh, but just remember district 12 is a lot poorer than you, for example, person in district one. So the person in district one would be like, oh yeah, because I'm better. And it just adds to this like, the lower number districts feeling superior. And that's why they're willing to keep participating in the Hunger Games and the people at the Capitol feel better than all of them because they don't have to send their kids into the games and et cetera. And it's all this big cycle and it's all a part of this system the Capitol has built up to control the districts. So now let's talk a little bit about Rue because there's obviously so much to say about her within these chapters um, and most of it very sad, unfortunately. But I first want to talk about how one thing that she has in common with Katniss is her love of music and we also learned that like one of her jobs back in district 11 is like signaling to the mocking jays when like the workday is over and it's used as like a method of communication between the workers and we really like the mocking jay is obviously a very prevalent symbol in the whole series it's like the biggest symbol they're literally a book called mocking jay Katniss is literally referred to as a mocking jay there's like a million instances of it. But I think that the biggest thing is that even before Katniss, even before she becomes, quote unquote, the Mockingjay, and like a, it becomes like a symbol of rebellion through her, Mockingjays are already a symbol of rebellion against the capital because they represent a capital's like, failure to control everything. And they're one of the first indicators that like the capital can't control literally everything, no matter how much it seems like they can sometimes. Like, this is actually something that gets brought back up in Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And, like, just I know it's really called Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, but the use of like mocking jays and snakes in that book absolutely genius. Um, but the mocking jays, as we know, were created because the capital had created jabber jays to use during the war, record conversations from the rebels and transport them back to the capital. But then the rebels started using it against the capital and like giving them false information once they figured it out. And so then they stopped using them and they were supposed to be like killed off, but some of them went and mated with mockingbirds. And so now we have mocking jays that can repeat like musical patterns and sounds like that. Um, and so the Jabberjays were originally like a method that the Capitol would use to crush the rebellion, but then it ended up being used against them. And just the existence of Mockingjays is like a sore reminder of the fact that like they can't do everything. And Snow canonically hates Mockingjays and ballad for like basically that exact reason, um, amongst others. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, we're gonna do a whole lot of discussion about like jays as a symbol in that book in contrast to like what they mean in these books. And it's going to be so great. And I already have like a million thoughts about it and I'm really excited for it. But as of right now, Katniss and Rue have started to use them as a means of communication in their own way. And this like music thing comes back in because we know that music is a connection between Katniss and her father. Like, that's been very well established. Um, And so the Mockingjay's are obviously a big part of that. And the Mockingjay pin, like, reminds her of her father. And now she has this connection to Rue because of it. And there are obviously a lot of parallels between Rue and Prim. Like, it's literally explicitly said that Rue reminds Katniss of Prim, like, multiple times. And the similarities are, like, super obvious. Like, it is very clear that that is the intention there. Um, But it just goes back to this idea of, like, Family and family being a key, a core value of this series. Um, and like, so having someone who has the attachment that Katniss does to music, who has the attachment Katniss does to Mocking Jays, who reminds her so much from her sister when she's in the arena and she has basically no one at this point because the only like friend adjacent person she had going into this was PETA, and there's so much going on with him. Um, I'm not going to talk about him a lot today, though, because he's kind of doing his own thing. But next section and basically the entire rest of the book, he is going to be a big topic of discussion. So not to worry, not to worry. I have plenty to say about him. I am probably going to talk about him a little bit at the end of today's episode because of things. But anyway, <laughs> back to Rue. Um, and so I love that they use the jays in the way that they do in these chapters. Um, and anything that, like, adds to the meaning of the Mockingjay, because we discussed, like, how they're a symbol of rebellion because of, like, the Jabberjays and all of that, and then we know that, like, links Katniss to her father, and then obviously, like, by the end, it becomes literally the symbol of the rebellion, but, like, its meaning gets heavier and heavier with things like this, because now Mockingjays are also going to remind Katniss of Rue, and that is another very painful loss for her, and it reminds her of her father, which was very difficult for her, and stuff like that, and so, like, It just adds to kind of the weight of like what this symbol itself actually means, but like what it means for Katniss and how heavy it is for her to carry all of that on her shoulders as she kind of ends up doing. And I think that it like just sort of adds to the like pain and difficulty that she's going through, but in a way that has meaning, not in a way that's just like, oh, let's just pile on more trauma just for the sake of it so we can show that she's having a hard time. Like all of these things have meaning and are also what's going to keep her going even in hard times is remembering like she's not just doing this for the people who are left behind. She's also doing this for the people who are no longer there like Rue and like her father. And so I think that the music thing and the mock juice are just like a nice touch to kind of tie everything in and also bring back the idea of family and give us another link to Katniss and her father and Prim. Talking a little bit more about like the parallels between Rue and Prim Um, are obviously a huge part of these chapters and a big part of why Katniss wants her to survive so badly and why it's so painful for her when she doesn't because like that could have been you know like if Katniss hadn't been there to volunteer for her to save her like that would have been her and so being faced with that and just even imagining like this could have been my sister and also like knowing that rue probably has a family back in district 11 and katniss feeling a bit of responsibility almost of like i don't want to happen to her what could have happened to prim and like i don't want her family to have to experience the loss that i would have had to experience had prim not had someone to volunteer for or had it been like too old or not been able to or whatever the circumstance and so i think that it's like a big like Thing that Katniss is carrying and and bearing a lot of responsibility for and she obviously feels a lot of guilt over what happens to Rue especially when you couple that with her killing Marvel because this is the first person that she's like flat out killed like obviously a couple of the careers died because of the tracker jackers like that sort of thing but it's very different of like they were killed by the tracker jackers and I just happened to like Bring that about, or I literally shot someone through the chest and they died. And it's not like she had to do it, you know? Like it wasn't even like, oh, I need to kill people to survive the games. It was like literally he was standing in front of her with a spear, killing Rue. But still, to kill a person like that takes a toll, especially when, again, like I said, it's the first person you've like flat out killed. And that is something that Katniss is going to grapple with for a long time, not even just in the rest of this book, but in Catching Fire. And it's another feeling of guilt of like, yeah, she had to kill him for her own survival. And like, it was either him or her. And she was also trying to protect Rue, even though it ultimately ended up being too late. But like, what about the people left back home waiting for him? Like, and that's another thing is like all these careers, you know, even though they are kind of like bought into... What the capital is trying to sell to the districts, and like they think they're better than everyone, whatever. They are still children and they still have families back home. And Katniss really recognizes the weight of like, I just took someone's life, and they're never going to get to go home, and their family's never going to get to see them again. And who knows what kind of like significant other or friends or whatever they left behind. And again, that's something that's going to weigh on her. And it's another thing that like, even though she had to do it, it's going to have consequences for her like mentally going forward. Um, And so it's a very significant moment of like, this is the first person that she herself has directly killed and is certainly not the last person she's going to kill. And again, all those deaths are going to weigh on her because we do know that she's a very selfless person and she does care about other people on a very, on many levels. And so even though this was someone who's directly threatening her and someone who literally just killed Rue, she still feels this like guilt and the like burden of knowing that she took someone's life. And then we have Rue's death, which is just, it's like, we all know, we all know it's so sad. It literally like is so emotional. Um, And just the way that Katniss sings to her, um and like sits with her until she dies and decorates her body with flowers afterwards and also that is something that does not go unnoticed by the people of district 11 because she receives this loaf of bread that she remembers from PETA telling her about the different types of bread that this one comes from district 11 um and I think that like this is a moment from the book that unfortunately didn't make it into the movie. And I really wish that it did. They did include in the movie, actually, though, like after Rue's death, it cuts to District 11. And there's um, the people there sort of start like fighting back against the peacekeepers out of like anger and hurt for what has happened to Rue. Because I think in my mind, and like we can sort of pick it up from textual evidence, Rue is kind of to District 11 what someone like Prim is to Tr- District 12, where like it's been established that everyone really cares about Prim and like people are going to look out for her even now that Katniss is gone and like the people of District 12 genuinely care about her. That's kind of the way that Rue is of like the people from District 11 have a certain like fondness for her. And so her death is significant not just to her family and friends and the people she directly left behind, but to like District 11 as a whole. And also like Seeing someone that young die is always going to be tragic, but when they come from your home, it's going to hit even harder. And so I do like that they included that little scene in the movie because it's not necessarily something that they could have done in the book with it being from Katniss's perspective. However, I do wish that they kept in the thing with the loaf of bread because it's another one of these things of like, what does Katniss mean to the people of Panem beyond just the people that she directly interacts with? they saw everything that she did for Rue and how hard she fought for her and like how much she actually cared about her. And that's something that translates through even when you're like watching it on screen, like, it, like in universe, like people in M watching Rue's death and the aftermath on their televisions, um, where like they can tell how much Katniss genuinely cared about Rue. And this wasn't just like an alliance to like increase her own chances of winning. It was genuinely like she cared for her and so it's nice to see like in a physical way what that meant to the people of District 11 and to see like that Katniss has people in her corner beyond just like her family and friends and like Hamage. I just think like, it's a really beautiful moment. And I also like that it ties back to like Peeta and the bread and when he is telling her about all the different roles and that she remembered that. And like, it's just nice to see the other districts sort of get their moments because we obviously get a lot of like district 12 and then we get a lot of the career districts and there's a few other districts that we get bits and pieces of through like tributes later on and obviously we do get like a lot of information about district 11 anyway but this is a very like special moment and it's very personal to Katniss and it feels very like meaningful in a way that not a lot of other things that could have happened at that moment would have felt on the same level as this did. Um, if that makes any sense. That kind of was a rambly, but (laughs) I think you get what I'm trying to say. She also does do the three finger salute to the camera, um, which we talked about at the beginning is like a it's sort of like a goodbye. It means like care and it means like farewell to someone that you love, basically. And it's what the people of District 12 do to her when she Volunteers for Pram, and so and I like that. Once again, it's kind of similar to the Mockingjay. Like I like these moments that give added weight to that salute because it kind of it also ends up being like a salute to the rebellion later on, and it's like a symbol that the people of the rebellion begin to recognize. And so again, I like that it has roots in like not just the people of District Twelve, which is also very important, and to Katniss personally, of this moment at the Reaping that's going to stick with her. But now to Rue and now it has meaning to the people of district 11 because they are now going to associate it with Rue a person who they deeply care about and Katniss who they feel deeply indebted to for everything she tried to do for a person of their district and that they cared about So I just think this whole scene like around Rue's death and what happens after it is definitely some of the most meaningful parts of this book and is going to end up being some of the more meaningful parts of the series and it also just like is very significant to the rebellion because I think that without saying too much about specifics, it sort of is like this moment with the berries at the end is like the incident that like starts this big rebellion. But first of all, I feel like it has already started from the moment that Katniss volunteered. But I think that Rue's death is a really big moment where it's like, where people start to kind of have that thought in their minds of like, No, we should be doing something, and it's not enough for us to do nothing, and we have to like step up and make a difference. I would like to just talk quickly about Foxface, someone who I feel like we do not talk about enough, but we should because she is a genius. Period end of episode. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and also this whole moment with like the blowing up the careers food is a very good like action-packed moment it's very like fun to read and it's a very like page turning moment but also we fox faces briefly in it and she's the one who initially like goes to the career stash of supplies and i just one thing that i wish the series would do more of and they definitely do in catching fire but it's a little bit different Um, due to like who the tributes are but I like Foxface because she's an individual tribute who's not a career who is kind of just doing her own thing but that we at least get to know like a little bit like we don't really know much about her but we know that she's very smart and we see the kind of skills that she has and I wish that we would get a little more of that with some of the other tributes and I know that it's like you know length of the book can only be so long and we have to focus on our characters and so it's just a little personal of like I wish we had more characters like her who it's like they are just another tribute, but we know a bit about them and we can like see their strategies. And like I like seeing kind of the difference in strategies of someone like her, of like she's very much the type to like go off on her own, but she's very, very clever. Um and makes it pretty far in the games too, and truly, truly did have a chance of winning the entire thing, like genuinely, like there is a world in which she could have won just due to her high level of intelligence. Um, This is all just to say, this isn't really super related to anything. I just think she's very cool and very interesting. Um, And I just think it's worth noting characters like her who are maybe not like the main focus of the novel, but exist and are cool and help to make the events feel more like build in almost of like there's another tribute that Katniss keeps crossing paths with but they also do blow up all the careers food as they should and also like it just goes to expose of like yes the careers can fight and yes they like most games they ally with each other and they travel in a pack and like they have a lot of physical strength and fighting abilities but and this is the line that like Katniss and Rue bring up is that they don't know how to be hungry. They don't know how to live without an overabundance of food and medicine and warmth and everything that they could possibly need. And that is where the advantage of the people of districts like 11 or 12 and maybe they're not as physically fit or maybe they're not as muscular or maybe they can't fight as well or they don't have the years of training that the careers have, but survival skills are just as important as if not more so than physical fighting ability like Katniss would have been dead in the first few days if she hadn't known how to find water and known like all these little things to help her survive and so I think that like and now we see it of like the careers don't have all this food and medicine and whatever other supplies they had anymore and how quickly things start to go downhill for them because they don't know how to survive without those things and it goes down to like ego of like They don't think they ever will have to survive without those things because they're like, we have this giant stack of supplies and there's several of us and no one would dare touch them and blah, 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 blah. They feel so untouchable that they can't even fathom something like the girl from District 12 destroying all their food and now they have nothing. And that is going to eventually be what results in them not winning. Um, And that's not to discredit like Katniss's intelligence and Katniss is obviously very, very skilled with a bow and like has a really good shot at winning in many other ways. But it is also due to the weaknesses of the careers, which is that they don't really know how to survive or to like fend for themselves in a way beyond physical violence. Now, just to kind of set us up for the chapters going forward, let's talk about this little twist at the end where we get this announcement that they are going to allow there to be two victors if they both come from the same district. And at this point, Katniss like sort of knows that Peta is alive because you know they do do the like rundown of which tributes are have died each day and like the cannons and stuff like that. But she doesn't really know where he is or what he's doing because she knows from Rue that he's no longer with the careers. Um, And she had this, like, confusing moment where she had been stung and was, like, the venom was impacting her thought processes and she was hallucinating. But she remembers PETA telling her to run and, like, literally saving her life. And so she has a lot of confusion surrounding PETA and his motives because he was working with the careers, but then he saved her and now he's not with them. And she doesn't really know why he was even working with them in the first place. Like, it's all a big question mark to her. Um, and she doesn't really have any way of figuring it out obviously and so she's trying to like piece together everything that's going on with him and then obviously she doesn't even have a lot of time to think about it because she's dealing with this plan for the career supplies and then she's focused on rue and then rue dies and obviously that takes away her attention but as soon as they make this announcement she immediately calls out for him and she actually like right where we're going to pick up in chapter 19 like, kicks herself for it right afterwards, and, like, why did I do that? I don't even know if I can trust him, and I'm gonna draw attention to myself, but, you know, she doesn't have Rue anymore. She's on her own again, and she sort of is gonna realize that, like, maybe Pita's motives haven't always been clear. Maybe she still doesn't know if she can trust him, but, like, he is from home, and on, on some levels, she does Care about him like there's always been the thing of like oh if I don't win maybe Peta should win because at least then the people of my district and my family will benefit. But you know they spend a lot of time together before the game's getting close. And even though a lot of that was like sort of part of this like game and this plan to like make them seem close and this like lovers angle that Hamish and Sinna were suggesting and stuff like that. But you know they did get pretty close. And I don't even know if she really like, realizes that because I think she thinks a lot of it was just an act on his part. But in this moment, when she realizes that they, they might both have a chance of survival, she calls out to him without a second thought. And so I think this is where their relationship really starts to get solidified, not just from a romantic angle, because like, obviously there is that part of it and that we'll get into. And I do love their relationship from like a romantic standpoint, um, but also just like their desire to protect each other is a very common thread in their relationship, even when things are pretty rocky in Mockingjay um but like even then she would do anything to protect him and going forward is when she starts to really realize like what she's willing to risk and what she's willing to do to protect him and that she actually does care about him beyond like her need for survival (sighs) they're just they're just literally perfect Like I feel like I have so many thoughts about them and their relationship that are like very intelligent and have come to me from years of being a fan of this series. But at the end of the day, they're literally just perfect. And I don't even need to like discuss the complexity of their relationship because Suzanne Collins already did it perfectly. The beauty of Suzanne Collins writing is that she gave us so much complexity in these characters and their relationships that I can make a podcast that's just me talking about it for like 45 minutes a week and not run out of things to say. And so I think that in the next couple sections going up to the end of this book, I'm going to be talking about them a lot and focusing on their relationship a lot. The end of this book is when it really gets set as like what their relationship actually is, what it's going to be going forward and what that is going to mean within the larger story of rebellion like what does the relationship between two teenagers mean to that and why is it significant i think that's a big thing it's like yes the overarching story is about rebellion and is about the districts rising up against the capital but it's also like how do these individual characters fit into that and like and how and what 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 do their relationships to each other mean within that and it's not just katniss and pita it's katniss and a lot of people and it's also people like not even involving her And I think that, like, it's sort of a exploration of, like, when we're caught up in literally a fight against the Capitol and, like, literally a war, how do we kind of, like, hold on to ourselves and the people that are important to us? And I think that is a big source of conflict for Katniss is, like, in the midst of all these things that are happening, what happens when she can only think about Prim or she can only think about Peeta or she can only think about Gail? And, like, How does she kind of balance her need to protect her loved ones with also her desire to do good for the entire country and to fight back against Snow who has caused her so much harm and harm to the people she loves? And also like, what do you do in the face of loss in all of that? Because now she's lost through and it's like, how do I go on? and And I keep fighting after the death of someone that has impacted me so much. People do die in this series- I know. I know. Shocking. Um, And there are some really, really sad deaths. And one thing that this series does really well that I think is a tough thing to pull off as well as Suzanne Collins did here is like, yes, every death that happens in the series has meaning to the story because like it's a series of novels. And so everything has like a narrative purpose. But she does a good job of balancing that with also this idea of like, sometimes in war, people just die and it doesn't mean anything. And it it is not part of some like grand plan. Sometimes people just die and it's horrible and it's sad. And like, it's so hard to keep going sometimes when things like that just happen. But in like narrative storytelling, sometimes it's hard to keep like, like every death feels so grand and so like, oh, this is this huge event within the story. And like the deaths in the series do feel like that, but they also feel real. And they also feel like they are horrible, tragic things that are happening and not just a plot point. And I think that like, that's why the deaths have such real weight. Even the death of a character like Marvel, who, you know, like, yes, he's a child. And we are like looking at it from that perspective of like, you know, he's only, like, 17 or 18 years old, and so it's not like you're, like, rooting for him to die, but it's also not like, oh, I care so much about him, you know, like, he's my favorite character, and it's not like you're mad at Katniss for killing him, and you probably hate him for killing Rue, and it's all terrible, but his death still has a very emotional impact because of how it impacts Katniss, and that is where, like, this first person storytelling really is beneficial again is because of like, we're literally inside of her mind after she's killed someone and like someone she didn't care about someone she needed to kill someone who she hated, et cetera. But like, she still killed someone and it still had weight, but it was also just like a horrible, tragic thing that needed to happen, you know? And so I think that like, And deaths and stories are always really hard to pull off because you do also have times where it's like, this character literally died just to die or like they died just for this other character's development, stuff like that. And so I think that this is really like intricate balancing act of like when you're going to kill off a character and what is the purpose for that, but then also making it feel authentic and making it have an emotional impact on the reader beyond just like, oh, and now we're using this death to move the story along and it doesn't really matter that that person is dead. I think that all the deaths in this series have real genuine weight and make you feel something and it does feel like, oh, a person has just died and it's a very real thing thanks for joining me this week on tales of panem for those of you reading along with me next week's episode will be covering chapters 19 through 23 of the hunger games if you have any specific questions or topics you'd like me to cover you can dm them to me on any social media or send them to my email which is tales at gmail.com if you'd like to leave a review or rating of the podcast on apple podcasts or spotify it would be very appreciated thank you again for listening and i'll be back next week